Hello and welcome to episode 227 of the Washed Up Emo podcast. I am Tom Mullen from washedupemo.com. Today in the podcast, we welcome back Michael Malarkey. I had him on episode 197, and we are back again to chat about his new music with the group Burial Clouds. Michael, especially on Instagram, is always first to comment on an obscure screamo band from the 90s. So we caught up on some of his favorite bands from that era and what he has to do before every show or play that he performs. We talk festivals for a bit and how he handed Jake Bannon from Converge his demo when he was 20 years old. Plus, we get stoked on Botch and how he gets called for movie or TV gigs sometimes messes up his show plans. So be sure to check out Burial Clouds. This is episode 227 of the Washed Up Email podcast with Michael Malarkey from Burial Clouds and Shadyside. Michael, what's going on? What's up? Can you hear me all right? I can hear you okay. So yeah, man, it's 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 great to reconnect, and I'm I'm so pumped that you're doing more music. What what's been um, what's been going on since we last spoke? When did we last speak? Is the million dollar question? Was it two years ago? Yeah, it was like 2021. It was like mid 2021, right? Okay. Yes. So. I can't remember if I alluded to this, you know, doom post-metal project that I'm working on right now on that podcast, but I was definitely working on it at the time. Um, But yeah, I'm working with this band called Burial Clouds, and we just put out our debut record called Last Days of a Dying World on Church Road in the UK. And um, yeah, it's it's, uh, starting to get some good feedback and we've done our album release shows um got some more to do but we we just played portland and seattle and um it's just nice to get the music out there um and perform it you know after being in the lab for so long and focusing on getting the record right um but yeah it's exciting you know it's um it's nice to be doing heavy music live again after like 20 years Right. They were an instrumental band before I joined. And I uh, stumbled across their instrumental record and found out in a roundabout way that they were looking for a vocalist. But the catch is that they're based in Portland. I'm in Atlanta. But because it was COVID, you know, all bets were kind of off. And uh, so we, you know, uh, I demoed some stuff for them and we did it remotely. I sent stuff back and forth and, um, they dug what I was doing and we ended up cutting the record in a cabin in Portland somewhere. And, uh, yeah, just shopped it around and church road, um, uh, was, was our best bet. I really, really dig their output and them as people. And, uh, we have some mutual friends, so it just seemed like a, the right choice. And, uh, it's out, it's out now. So people can go check it out. Describe it for people. Do the do the recommended if you likes or do the yes. uh, three second Kerrang. Right, right. Oh, I'm horrible at that. Let's see if I can figure <laughs> it out. Uh, you know, it's uh, we've called it like post doom for the slow moving apocalypse. Um, there's, <laughs> there's elements of of grunge for sure. Um, you know, sludge. Um, all that, but it does kick up into gear here and there. I'd like to think there's a bit of something for everyone, as long as you're into heavy music in some way or another. And um, but yeah, I do. I do a lot of you know. There's clean singing. There's you know low crooning. There's yelling and screaming and proper burly shouting. You know, it kind of goes through the whole whole spectrum of of my voice, at least. Essentially. Uh... You're hitting the the octaves of doom. Yeah, <laughs> if you're doing all those at once, that's awesome. That's right. Yeah, it's it's a real mashup, I think, and uh, it also like you know a lot of doom has very um, it's emotive, but it's monotone. You know mm-hmm. the vocal approach, and there's something powerful and emotional about that. But 
this is uh you can you can hear what i'm singing a lot of the time and i think it provides a, a bit more of a a human side to to the genre which i think is kind of kind of unique yeah i always liked doom um driving and not because yeah. it was monotonous but more that like you could get into a zone and mm -hmm. i think when you talked about sort of that the vocals sort of having this monotone it's 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 in a it's in a good way you're sort of in a in a space um where um i don't know i just i, I it's more like comforting hypnotic. yes yeah, hypnotic. it's kind of like an elephant on a treadmill stomping along you know you kind of get into the get to the rhythm of it and uh, you get lost yeah um what were some you know bands that you were sort of referencing or even just things that you liked back in the day that for you to go like i want to I want to sing on a, you know, a record like this. What were some of those ones that you were thinking um, about? Well, you know, I know there's obviously issues with with this nowadays, but you know, neurosis, you know, there's obviously the thing that's happened and whatnot, but we can't we can't deny the fact that that band was incredible mm -hmm. and uh dynamic and uh you know, I was a huge fan back in the day. You know, I had a big neurosis back patch on my hoodie. Um, and, you know, Isis and obviously the grunge influence, Nirvana, Alice in Chains, Soundgarden, all that stuff. And the thing is, you know, you you you, uh, you start working on a song and you can have your plan, but you also have to just service the song. And so for me, I found myself not planning to do anything a certain way, but just kind of letting the song take me where it naturally wanted to go. And it meant that I'd kind of do various takes and try to crowbar in certain styles. And I, I often would go back, scrap it, start again until I felt like it was really in the right place. How um, did you feel comfortable in the studio doing that? It was like, cause that's obviously for you to go, okay, I'm, I'm new to this, this, these, these group of people were together in this studio and I'm like, you know what? Scrap it. I need to do this again. That's really powerful. Oh yeah, well I didn't. Do, I did all that alone. Oh, you did that alone. So, okay, scrap yeah, that. Then. I basically did very. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, although I have no problem doing that if, if needs be in the studio if something's not working. Right. Um, yeah, I, I went through a very uh, meticulous demoing process because I couldn't be in the room, and they play. You know, it's it's um, it's mathy. But that's well, you know what? Now I, that's even harder for you to yeah. be alone with the song by yourself trying to service the song without feedback so that's even harder yeah well there's certain bits you know where it's like you know an 11 8 time signature and you think you've found the pocket and then a different part happens and you realize <laughs> it's repeating at the wrong place and you have to like so i'd often do a lot of cut and pasting with vocal takes and go okay that's where it starts so i'd cut the bit that i liked pull it over and then just keep the the bits that I knew were bang on, and then start filling in the rest. It was a really weird process for me, and you'd think it would be a kind of uh, uh, um, massive hurdle, but I kind of treated it as a, a challenge. And um, you know, I had to use a different part of my brain when working on it. Because yeah, when you're not in the room, you're not you're not able to communicate uh, visually. You know. I'm kind of shooting in the dark when I'm doing my first demo takes. And then it just kind of starts to make sense as, uh, as I keep working. And mm -hmm. then I'm like, Oh, here's the song. Here it is. You know, that's exciting. Mm. That's even harder. Like I'm laughing now. I'm like, Oh, he's in the studio trying to do that. But no, he's alone in his thoughts going like, was <laughs> my garage. Yeah. <laughs> banging my head on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> trying to channel ISIS. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> cool. So what are what are some of the goals or what are some things you guys have all talked about? You know, you've got these release shows, but what what are you feeling? Like? I mean, is it is it just seeing where it takes you? Yeah, I think just due to the nature of my chaotic uh life, um it's it's one of these things where we we have to just take it step by step, cross each bridge as we come to it. You know, I initially out of the gates was very upfront with them. Like I was like, "Look, I, I don't know what I'm going to be working on, where I'm going to be um, in the next several months. So um, let's just uh, do what we can." I mean, we we were playing Arctangent Festival in Bristol in August, 
Um, we're going to do some UK dates around then too. So that'll be nice. That's the one thing we have like in our sites that we're working towards. And um, yeah, and we got, you know, the new record that we're working on, um, written about four of the new songs and just kind of pushing ahead and staying excited about it. And we'll see what happens. I think that's a great outlook. Yeah. Instead of forcing. Yeah. And I know, you know, I, I can't, I'm not one of these guys that could just be on tour all the time. I got kids, I got family and I have mouths to feed, you know, so um, however, I love it, and uh, I do look forward to the next time we get to do a jaunt. Yeah, that's great. And then, what other like the are you trying to also do some of the solo stuff at the same time while you're touring this, or trying to keep those separate? Yeah, well, next month, June, I'm doing a little mini UK tour, well, England tour rather. I'm not not heading to Ireland, but um, yeah, some dates with Lyra Lynn. He's a phenomenal kind of Americana noir singer-songwriter out of Nashville. Her and her band are just shit hot. And we did a show together for Halloween in Atlanta and uh, saw she was doing some UK dates. And I was like, yo, I'll be there. She was like, hell yeah. So I'll be doing some dates with her, a couple solo dates of my own, um, including a special show in the studio. I cut my very first EP in and also my latest LP, Grave Racer, kind of intimate studio show. And I'll be working on my next EP to segue to what you asked me before. Um, and yeah, maybe I'll play them some shit, make it a kind of unconventional studio show hangout session, you know. But I'm a fan of those like unorthodox experiences, you know, it's a little different. Yeah, or also or the way that you're, I guess, on a tour or on a... Uh, you have a set schedule. You have this is when you show up. This is when you play. But when you get to go to a different venue, there's almost a different air. Um, I used to I used to have bands at EVR. I'd, I'd make them do Day Trotter or I would make them do Audio mm -hmm. Tree, and that was always they would always come back and say, "Oh, that was so cool because it was you know you're you're not going up the usual venue stairs. You're going up the stairs past like a you know like you're just you're down. I don't know. It's just a different vibe, and I just think it kind of brings brings out a different feel of the music. Do you agree or no? Oh, totally. I mean, I, I actually played another show in a... <laughs> it just, re just reminded me of this. Um, uh, uh, yeah, I, I played the show in an antique shop somewhere in the UK. And, you know, uh, I'll be perfectly honest, my thing before a show, I got to take a dump. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So, so often, you know, it's a purge, right? Um, often I... Um, if there's not a proper green room bathroom, it's like, oh, for fuck's sake, man, I got to go through the crowd or whatever. You know what I mean? And then people are stopping you, right? And you're that's like, right. look, yeah. I got this thing I got to handle. It's really important. Yeah, I'm crowning. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, this, this antique shop, like the only bathroom was outside through the garden and um, was literally where everyone was waiting to come into the show. And I'm like, guys, I got to, you know, got to do my uh my thing you know 10-1 bro and um he was like yeah well that's where it is i was like shit so we arranged we would file everyone into the venue i would like sneak out go to the garden and then come straight through and go on stage and uh <laughs> so this all happens i can't believe i'm telling this on a podcast but whatever <laughs> it's a great anecdote everybody poops Everybody and poops. Punchline. You're gonna you're gonna hear what? So I go in there. I get settled, and almost immediately I hear a knocking on the door. A couple girls walked up. They're trying to get in. I'm like, oh shit. So you know, obviously I try to rush proceedings. Never regret. Um, but in the job, I open the door. I eyeball them, and I say, everybody poops. And I walk on. And they start freaking out. But uh, it was a, it was a moment. That's for sure. Can I, can, I, can I have a couple follow-ups? Yeah. <laughs> I have a couple comments on that. So this wasn't outdoors, right? The bathroom was an indoor location. This wasn't an outhouse or a porta potty No, but it was... It was a single-family like toilet. Yeah, it was an upgrade. <laughs> it was like a, yeah, a, a purpose-built porta potty Okay. 
So this wasn't a this this wasn't like the owner of the antique shop used it once a day. Like this was a this 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 had the capacity for multiple people to use. It was the only bathroom at the okay. venue. Was was yeah. there a window? No. Okay. <laughs> a plot thickens. <laughs> no candle, no match. Everything's fine. Uh, just vibes. Okay. All right. Honestly, I I would probably have super anxiety around that. Um, I had a sorry. I, yeah. I, had, I had a roommate who again has has passed away. Dennis. Uh, I just saw a photo of his kid. He just got his driver's license. He looks just like him. Anyway, he couldn't shit if anybody came into the communal bathroom freshman year. So everyone would just fuck with him <laughs> if he walked in there. Someone would just pretend to go in there and brush his teeth and then walk out. Oh. And he would be so bummed. He'd just be in there. Um, Waiting to be like completely, <laughs> someone would just find a reason to go in there. You know what? I want to see. Uh, you know what? I need to shave. You know, and uh, he was so bummed. Rip, Dennis, I miss you, buddy. But um, yeah. So I, I am, I am proud of you because I probably would have, um, I probably would have been so nervous being around people Stage and then right. having to do that. Yeah. Well, you know, it was uh, shit or get off the pot, man. You know. <laughs> And that's how Michael okay. wants to move on from this story to a next one. No, I thought that's that was right. – yeah. thank you for the follow-up questions. I was trying to visualize <laughs> it, um, and, and hats off to you. Uh, I remember uh, Bill Russell had to throw up before every basketball game. Right, yeah. So I don't think you're in the wrong. Yeah, well, I suppose it's like, you know, you, you, you deal with nerves <laughs> in a different way. And over the years, you know, I don't – my mind doesn't get nervous. It's just my guts. Yep. <laughs> what about, um, is the same thing for, story. it's great. It's great. Oh, uh, you're fine. Let the, it out into the world. Yeah. Well, you, you've already had, you already had. Um, so the, what about, it's the same thing for acting? Uh, no, no. Acting's also like, I mean, actually for, for theater. Yeah. Oh, that I makes sense. That makes sense. Busy. Yeah, be, being in front of an audience and having something that you push play on and can't stop. You know, you don't stop a play and redo scenes like in TV. Whereas TV, it's like you're working all day. So if I was doing that all day, before, <laughs> man, I'd look fucking, you know, Napoleon Dynamite. Dude, you'd have the, oh, that'd be hilarious. Just like, why are there, why are there 16 porta-potties around the, the set, uh, Michaels, you know? <laughs> It's got to figure. Oh, okay. All right. Never mind. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, that's actually really. I love that. I'm glad that you said that between the play and and the TV because you are, you know, you're out there, and I think um, you being able to do that. Um, I just think is is again. We we can make all the jokes, but I still think like you're doing this sort of thing to help you feel comfortable in in front of people um and for you to be able to do it from a music standpoint to an acting standpoint um and just performance in general um i just think that's i think it's great that you're in tune with your body enough to do that not getting like medical on here but like i think that's great you yeah. know that what if you didn't yeah yeah, yeah true true yeah, yeah i think i just had you know a problem <laughs> with my guts or something, you know, I need to get checked out. But, yeah, you figured yeah, it's it kind out. Of, there's, there's a comfort in things that happen predictably, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. It's an you, unpredictable business, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Anything predictable, you kind of latch on to, I suppose. <laughs> um, what other stuff um, ha have you been listening to or that you're impressed with lately? Oh, gosh. Uh well, you know me. I'm a I'm a incessant spelunker. I know. So I'm always always finding stuff. Um, man, you know what I really appreciated recently is the the new Brian Eno Fred again um, collab record. It's super chill, and uh, the cover of it I don't know where it is, but it has these guys looking over a kind of uh, night, -y, and they're like on this ridge, and it's looks like it sounds basically and i like records that i can play again and again 
and it just sets me in a in a in a in a, in a mood and a vibe. You know, you put it on, it's like putting on a warm blanket. Yeah. Um, but that came out recently. I really liked that. Um, man, I love the kind of the grunge resurgence. You know, that Fleshwater record. We're not here to love. Incredible. And uh, Holy Fawn, definitely one of my favorite bands that's touching on that sound and making it their own right now. You, but, you know, I listen to everything, um, not just heavy music. Yeah. You know, there's, uh, there's this artist actually called Eliza. She did this record called A Sky Without Stars, which I listened to a lot last year. And what I appreciate about it is it sounds like it could have been recorded on a, a four track, not in quality, but like you, it's minimalist. And um, her vocal is just incredible. Um, she's got this, I don't know, uh, massive attack, uh, uh, Mazzy Star energy to it, you know. Um, yeah, man, I can't, I can't think. Uh, I love that. No, I think, I, I think those are perfect. It's funny you mentioned the the four track thing. I, and this isn't name dropping. I promise. It's just sort of a a way to describe. I did work on a Dylan project where we played with like a rolling stone and we played with the with that record that song it's only four tracks yeah. yeah and he made that so for you to say it's you know it sounds like a four track that just means that the song is that good you didn't That's need right. all the other you didn't need all the other shit well i think also just uh generally speaking you know minimalism is is something that attracts me not just in music but you know, it's something I'm constantly trying to incorporate into my life in different ways is minimizing things and just having what you need. Um, we're, we're just like suffocated with shit, not only content, but like, you know, products and advertising. And we're just oversaturated with shit. How and, do you um, handle that from a, let's say not digital sense, because that's chaos. What about like yeah. stuff stuff? Do you do like I buy a shirt, I get rid of a shirt? Do you? Uh, no. <laughs> I'm horrible. That I have black T-shirts, man. How about that's, how about cords for uh, audio video equipment? I have more cords than ever will be needed, but I don't want to get rid of one because as soon as I do, I'm going to need it. I know, I know. It's it's an issue, and, and to be honest, <laughs> that's somewhere where I'm really struggling is getting with stuff that has either sentimental attachment or is you know equipment based, like you said, you know. Um, but that's something I really want to work on this year, you know, going through and just purging because I've got, you know, I've got two kids now. And when you have kids, you just accumulate stuff. It's insane how it happens. You know, I, I moved to Vancouver for Project Blue Book, this series I did. And we were there for, you know, a while. And um, by the time we left, I had to get a moving van. Wow. So it was uh, just insane how stuff accumulates. Yeah. Yeah. Uh my my parents were moving out of their house in Vermont that I grew up and my sister grew up and they were moving and retiring and <laughs> my dad was like yeah we keep getting rid of stuff and then all of a sudden they realized you know those those giant trucks that drop off the like flatbed um uh dumpster I've used them before. They're so, great. so my dad calls me this was years ago he he passed away but this is one of my favorite he's, he called me he's like Tommy I just had um, the the dump the guy at the garbage place drop off two, and I just filled them both. <laughs> Whoa! And I was like, "How much crap did my sister and I have in that house that my dad could fill up two giant like things of that?" And he he wasn't even done. <laughs> wow! So that's like that's what I mean of like thirty years of stuff um, that just you know or forty or whatever it is just accumulates, and I think you're totally right. Like. Um, yeah, I, um, it's, I have a problem with, uh, music, uh, my emo museum and then video games. I, I can't, I can't not get rid of like, I still have every single video game I've ever bought, but anything else I get rid of, but I think it's hard. It is. And, and the thing is, it's, it's making a choice, isn't it? Going, you know what I will. And, and I've done this before where I've gotten rid of like a chunk of band t-shirts and without fail, I always regret it. Really? Yeah, I always miss a certain T-shirt. You know, like what like, about if you pitted it? What about if it's got the yellow stain or something? Or I mean, I usually just take a photo. Like I have all these old, like my Mad Ball. Um, or no, I bought a Life of Agony um, 
basketball jersey for $75 in 1998, which is the stupidest purchase of my life. I wore it once, but I took a photo of it and got rid of it. And I can right. go back and look at the photo and go, look at that photo. Great. But you're saying yeah. that you would you would want to wear it again. You you found a moment where you're like, I could put this Life of Agony basketball jersey so. on. Oh, yeah, because I do a lot of yard work, too. And oftentimes the shirts that I are, are yes. too of, of a, much of a mess for me to wear wear anywhere, I, I wear them in the yard. I mean, like I have, you know, Painted Black is one of my favorite punk hardcore bands um, from back in the day. And I have this Painted, painted Black white t-shirt with the skate skateboard on, on the skateboarding dude on the back it says like philadelphia hardcore or something like that and uh is that where they're from philadelphia i think so i think it's so there. someone can, someone's yelling at us over someone, the yeah, internet yeah, who, 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 who cares yeah, <laughs> um but anyway you know i've ended up like cutting the sleeves off of that it's gotten like one of the sides is even more ripped than the other but i just cannot get rid of it it doesn't even look that great when I wear it, but it's the fact that I, how you feel when you're wearing it, you know, like, I don't know. That's a piece of your history. Confirmed. Philadelphia. Yeah. Philadelphia. Excellent. Dan Yemen, baby. Yep. Dan fucking Yemen. Uh, Fuck yeah. The, uh, I think the, the shirt, I have a refused shirt from their sh last, one of their last shows before they broke up, before the re this, for this reunion thing. It looks horrible. The neck is totally like baconed, like it's just wrecked, but I won't bacon. get rid of it. Yeah. You know what I mean by bacon, right? It's just wrecked. Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. And then it's like, it's like gilded too. So it's just s scratchy as all hell. Yeah. No fun. Yeah, what's the deal with those gilded shirts? <laughs> You're wearing like cardboard. <laughs> Sorry. Um, what? There's been a big, you know. Obviously, you talked about the grunge thing coming back, and obviously, there's a lot of reissues and bands that are kind of had a moment. What are some bands that haven't been talked about, or haven't had reissues, or haven't haven't had their their due? Are there things that you're like, why has this not been reissued, or why is why are people not talking about this? And it could okay. be any well, genre. You know what you we connected on this just privately about four hundred years. Yep, um, and we should probably bring that up because that record, especially Transmit Failure, um, for me was an extremely seminal record uh, when I was in my very first band. But just I, that combination of that sound with the catchiness just was like it really connected with me at the time and i put that on after we had our chat and i was like yeah this still this still got it i'd love to hear this remastered and re-released you know yeah um that's that's one there's also a band called Managra. tell um, me about them Managra was a big uh influence on shady side which was my old screamo group and we actually got a record coming out too on Mind Over Matter, which will be talk about fault. that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh whatever you can. If yeah, I don't want you to give up anything you don't wanna. No, no, you're good. Yeah. So we before I was an actor, I I was a singer, screamer in Shady Side. And uh, while I was playing in that band, I randomly got in this play and just fell in love with acting and quit the band after about five years and got a one-way ticket to England. And um, again, over COVID, I kind of was talking to the band. It wasn't actually over COVID. It was before, but that's when we ended up doing the record. But um, I was like, yo, we should just make a little EP, you know, send me some instrumentals. I'll do do my shit and then send it back and, you know, maybe we can make a record again just for fun. And it ended up happening. So, yeah, that'll be coming out. And, uh, you know, I wanted to change the sound up a bit because my approach back then, you know, I was very young. And I suppose it was the era of, like, you know, trust kill records. Right. You have the screaming, singing, very opposite things. And I wanted to tie it all together. So my approach was a little more punk vocally, I suppose, with Shady Side. 2.0 we'll call it and yeah i wanted to kind of just have a clean slate um it's got the same elements that the old shady side had but it's just different spin on it i suppose and 
you know, it took us a while to uh, get this record out because we went through two different labels, which is was just chaos. And uh, until we found Austin, who's awesome at, at Mind Over Matter, and he's very art minded and cares about creating something that is unique and has a DIY feel. And that just really appealed to me that's, that he was so interested in the art. Um, so, you know, and, and I believe, you know, you can, you can make the wrong decisions when you rush to get something out and it may be old to you, the record, but to everyone else, they'll be hearing it for the first time. And so to me, I wasn't too worried about that. Although it was annoying to have to wait, like, Nearly, it's going to have been almost two years since we recorded this record to actually get it out. Wow. Um, but yeah, this was great. Like playing with the guys again, you know, after 17 years or so and just getting back together and still having that energy and chemistry was, was a trip, man. That's beautiful. Yeah. I love and that. It's funny you know, doing doing that record and then doing this this like Doom project as well, having two, two different ways to... Um, uh, I can't remember what I was going to say. Well, no, you're 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 scratching these itches. Yeah, yeah, and I love all these kinds of music, you know. And it's like I, I want to do it all. Yeah, yeah. except the like super <clears throat> death stuff just wrecked my voice. <laughs> so, I'm for that. Thing. Yes, I dig it, but I just I don't want to. I don't have an interest in growling too much. Right. What about um? You know, being able to have this freedom too, I think, is something beautiful that you have this time. Yes, you have responsibilities, you're putting food on the table, but you're traveling and able to do what you love. Do you, I mean, that's just me looking at it from an outsider, like it's beautiful. Yeah, well, it's it's one of these things that you're you're always you have to trust your gut, and you you know when you're you know putting one too many pieces of straw on the camel's back. And, you know, I get close to that sometimes with the amount of things that I get myself wrapped up in and get passionate about because it's family first for me. And sometimes it feels like, okay, I'm, I'm probably asking too much of my missus um, if I'm away all the time. So it's, it's another thing where it's like, I just have to do enough so that I'm, uh, uh, what's the word? Um, Balance balanced yeah yeah and and i'm sane enough to be a good dad by by doing my passion projects but at the same time if i go overboard with that you know i'm, I'm not gonna see my family as much so it's all about the balance but it's also it's just something i have to do you know i have times when i don't play music for like a week or two and i'm just i'm miserable by the end of it it's like definitely something i tap into like like my roots into the earth i love that Oh, and then explain Managra. Oh, yeah. Uh, Managra. So they also had a, a group with some of their members called Hero of 100 Fights. Um, and it was, they were from Waukesha in Milwaukee. And there was like, there was a pretty cool scene there um, in the 90s. But it's got like a lot of punk, uh, even thrash and whatever going on it's a nice matchup definitely worth checking out their their record um what's it called modern day remembrance and it's it's you know it's 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 fast and mathy and fun um but they yeah they were they're another group where you know that's that deserves a re-release for sure especially now everyone's kind of paying homage to a lot of these groups whether they know it or not you know some of the younger generation um um may not know exactly where they're getting these these things from uh, right it's not it's nice to see them dipping back in though and especially with the, like like those satia reunion shows like seeing so many young people in the audience was like a real trip man you know yeah no i mean there's it's like such a niche little pocket um at that time in our, all of our lives you know it's like you've heard of fucking satia you know like and and you you meet someone else who has and it's like a wild thing but to see that that reach has just carried on and had a resurgence is just like it's a trip. Well, also too, it 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 legitimizes something that was made fun of or dis you know Especially. dis discredited for years. So I think you know I know there's a resurgence of the the pop punk stuff at the moment, but it is amazing to have people go, yeah, I'm going to go see Seisha, or I heard about um, you know. Uh, 
Ida, you know, I'm going to go check them out now. Or just all these sort of things that maybe, like you said, had a couple releases and it kind of went away because those labels went dark and they didn't get into the streaming era and there wasn't time. But now that there are, I feel like there's still a group of people that want to know what happened. Where was this before? Um, and yeah, well, like also like le- labels like Level Plane as well. That was mm-hmm. just like like putting out. I mean, Stacey did some stuff on there too, but there was other groups on there like um, you and I. I mean, yep. Uh, City of Caterpillar, who was one of my favorites. Um, I love that they've come back and put out a record. Um, you know, Jerome's Dream. Yep. Uh, all that stuff was just like such a moment in time. Right. Um, how do you feel about the like these festivals, Fest, Riot uh, versus, I guess, how do you feel about them? I'm just, it's not, it's, I'm just, I'm, I'm iffy on it lately. Um, with... Yeah, I, well, I can't, I, I just, you know, I've, I've really got to be in the right psychological mind space to put myself through that. You know, <laughs> I don't know if that's what you mean about attending it or just the concept of it, just jam packing four days and everyone's got like a clinical slot that they have to fill. Yeah, I just feel like it's it's um, I'm happy. I'm happy for the bands. I'm, I'm happy for uh-huh. that. I just feel like um, I always felt like at whenever there was a South by show or something and I was like, well, that that'll come that'll tour again and they'll do a longer set or something. Or if I really like that band um, and it's not that I don't want to go or see a bunch of new bands or be exposed to things. It just, it just feels, um, it just, it, I guess I'll, I'll throw out riot, which I love. I'm just thinking like, they've got these like massive bands headlining and then Mm -hmm. like a bunch of punk ones. So like what fan base is going, is it, are they all there for foo? Um, I'm stoked that Turnstile. I'm stoked for Tegan and Sarah. I mean, I just think there's not as many f- women on this this certain uh, shows or the fest that got announced. But I just feel like it's they've got these like, which I guess is as old as time, right? You're going to get a certain amount of fans that are going to go for the big bands. I just think, I don't know. It just seems like there's they're cramming. Like, how many bands are going to get exposed because people are going to see Foo Fighters? I I hope. I guess that's yeah. my hope. Yeah, and also like with festivals, it's just you you want to do it with a group of people and have a have a party and have a good time, and um, uh, it's not always possible. No, no, you know. So you know, I end I end up going to most shows alone or with one other person. Um, but I like experiencing music like that, but not when it's four days. Yeah, I like you going know, alone I'll, to shows. I'll, I'll, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you kind of you don't have to check in with someone make sure they're having a good time and feel their energy yeah yeah exactly you just like sit and be like i'm gonna stand here and then i'm gonna go here and um i think i I mean you might have seen my post but i i I stand in the giraffe section of the shows i stand in back with the tall people right because i don't want to i don't want to i don't want to ruin anybody's time yeah get around the sound desk and usually it's the best sound anyway yep absolutely so The, the worst is when you're up there, you're you know up against one speaker, and everything's just blown out. And you barely hear the vocals. <laughs> but I'm close. I can almost. Cut. I'm gonna get a guitar pick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I like to stand in the in the in the back, and I, I want I want the sound. I mean, I'm I'm a junkie for that. You know, I want to I want to hear the sound. I want it to hit me. I want to feel it in a way that it's meant to be heard and felt. Yeah. You know, unless it's like a nostalgia show, like I saw, I saw Rancid a few years back, and uh, you know, I was standing in the back having a beer. I can't remember what song came on. I was just like, "Fuck it," threw my beer and just stormed the pit. <laughs> Destination, oh no! Yeah. <laughs> I ended up on the on the rail. You know, yes. just like super in, like something <laughs> came over me. But it's because it also it's a callback to when I used to do that. You know, Rancid was one of my first loves as a young kid. And so, you know, I remember being in, in the pit at Warp Tour, seeing them. And uh, so it probably just like tweaked. You know. Yeah. <laughs> what was your first Warp Tour? Uh, it was the one after the one Deftones played. 
Mm. Eminem was there actually, so it was just starting to get Riot Festy. <laughs> no shade. No, no shade. shade. No, 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 no shade. No but, shade. But yeah, it was like it was a, a. There were some some bizarre choices, uh, but it also like Eminem at that point was a little more off kilter. He wasn't as mainstream. You know, it was it was still a shock to the mainstream system when his stuff was first coming out, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Kind of fit in that Venn diagram of like fuck the man, um, so uh, it, it kind of made sense. Um, man, I can't even remember. It was so long ago. Was that two thousand one? Yeah, probably. Okay. Yeah. Yes, it was. Yeah. Okay. God, look at us. Yeah. Look at us. <laughs> you're on no. You're like okay. jet lagged. I'm like tired, and we're like we're like remembering where bands are from. This is this is not reminiscent of a usual washed up emo podcast. Usually, people have no no recollection. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there's something to be said when your brain cells only allow you to pick the low hanging fruit. <laughs> it's know? it's not like you and I are remembering anything important. <laughs> <laughs> You know, another fest I loved was Crazy Fest in yes. uh, Louisville, and I went to two or three of those, and those were really iconic moments in my history because th that was a more focused uh, sonic palette, if you will, and, um, you know, uh, I'll never forget, actually, this is this is a funny story, so the first band I was ever in was called Panamia, and... Um, we we never really got anywhere, but we were just learning how to play our instruments. I was just learning how to sing. But anyway, we'd cut together this demo, and we'd recorded it in the practice space with a sock over a, a room mic into iMovie <laughs> as audio. And it was mono, because that was the only way we knew how to do it at the time. And so we had I had this demo, and I actually went up to the Converge merch table and handed it to Jacob Bannon. I was 20 years old. Oh, it's so funny thinking about it because that that EP it's it's terrible. It is it is what it is, you know. And it's it's nice to have that piece of history, but I can't believe I had the audacity to. What to did you like, hand him? My the demo of my band on like on a, tape on a burn CD on a oh burn CD yeah that's definitely yeah. getting listened to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm sure he still has it. Tough one though because you know. You know, now now I've been doing it for a long time, and you you want to support people absolutely who are out there, and like you know you don't you don't ever want to make anyone feel bad, and you're an asshole if you do. Totally. Ask, you know, it doesn't matter what you're going through if you're belittling anyone else; it's not on. You know, so um, you know I appreciate it, and looking back, that's one of the things I remember is how gracious he was about it. Yeah. Except, you know, and um, I I honestly doubted he would have listened to it, but. Uh, Watch your email right now. There's like an email. Jake's going through his archives. Hey, uh, Mike, I heard this. Uh, <laughs> this is is this you? Yeah. <laughs> no. That's awesome. Um, I'm excited. Did you see Sunny Day? I forgot if I we we talked about no. Sunny Day. You didn't? No, you... I would have. I would have loved to. But you know, my my thing is like. I... I'm, I'm based in Atlanta, uh, but I'm often in random cities. And sometimes I'll get lucky and I'll catch something that's passing through and somewhere I'm filming or whatever. But, but you know, because I, I also I bought tickets to the bot show in Atlanta in November. And I'm I think it's in November. And I'm just like praying uh, that I don't get called away during that time because I've got to be there. I can't wait for those. Those are December here. Right. I can't. Right. Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah. So what is that like? I mean, is it is it for you is it sort of like being on call? Like you've got scripts and things that are out outside outside of the music stuff. You've got things that are in the in the pocket or sorry, not in the pocket. You have things that are out there and you might get a call and say, "Hey, we need you in Prague or something." Correct? Yeah, you know, you send these tapes out and um the thing is you you usually don't hear anything until it's time to go a lot of the time. I mean, you'll get, you'll get callbacks. Sometimes you'll have director meetings or chemistry reads or whatever. But I mean, I had a gig I did in Budapest, which I was the night before they were like, pack your bag. We may or may not be flying you tomorrow morning. What? And I was like, okay, um, I'll just stand by and 
set my alarm for when the flight is supposed to be. I mean, that's an extreme case, but it's often, you know, you you don't know what's happening. And then literally all of a sudden you're like, okay, I'm flying out next week. I mean, that's why I just shot Law and, Law and Order Organized Crime. I did like three episodes of that. And I got the call on a Friday and I had to fly out on the Monday or Tuesday. And so it's kind of a scramble to get your ducks in a row, make sure the house is all right to leave for, for the family. You know, my missus has everything she needs to be cool for up to a month or two of time, you know, so, you know, it's, uh, it's part of the, part of the job, but it's definitely a frustrating part of the job when you have family, especially. Yeah. And just not knowing, I mean, God, Hey dad, we were going to do this. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and then you have to go. That's hard. I'm, I'm, I, I, I I can disappoint. (laughs) I um I I disappoint sometimes when these things happen, but it's not my fault. And yeah. you know you got to get paid. And yep. I'm I'm a sprinter. You know I I do these jobs. I work my ass off for a small condensed period of time, and then I'm home for a lot of the year. Right. So it's um just is what it is. It's our baseline, for better or worse. And you and you still feel good. You've got you know a lot of things that you're excited about as well. Like I mean I feel like you're you're you are definitely filling your schedule. Yeah, I mean. I, 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 because of the nature of what I just said, I kind of have to just take every day as it comes, you know. Um, I don't allow myself to get too excited about things because it's so, everything can change on a dime, you know. So I just, I just push ahead and just do what I can each day to do my job and hope for the best. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited about, the end of Mercury re- retrograde, that's for sure. <laughs> I don't know if you follow the star signs. but I do. Uh, yeah, it's kind of a bizarre period we're in. And I can feel it a little bit. Well, I, I think with you saying that you're taking it day by day and being open to um, that and aware, I think, that's, I think that's a good, I think that's a really good mindset. Yeah. Well, you learn it. You have to. I mean, I've had jobs where I thought it was in the bag that just did not come to fruition. They went another way, literally at the last minute. And, um, you know, it's when, when that first happens to you or the first few times it happens, I mean, it's always disappointing, but it could be crushing and you can take it personal. And I mean, something that I'm grateful for is having learned how to deal with that disappointment in a healthy way and not let it be something that affects me in fact sometimes it energizes me you know like all right all right let me step up my game i'm gonna step it up right um but uh yeah that's definitely a learned thing over time of just being ground into dirt <laughs> <laughs> i'm grateful for it you know plants grow in dirt and that's how you get your voice dirt eating dirt no i'm just saying from grovels <laughs> to to singing like there's 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 levels of of yeah. there's levels of scratchiness. True, true. Yeah, <laughs> years of abuse as well. <laughs> oh, it's perfect, Michael. Anything else you want to mention? I think that was perfect. We got to mention your band. Anything else? No, I, yeah, we got all the stuff. I think you know, Shady Side, Burial Clouds. Check that stuff out. Shady Side will be coming out in the fall, and my my own solo thing will be coming out. I'm finishing it up while I'm in London, and I'm kind of going a different direction with it i i didn't even touch the guitar for my new solo ep i just wrote it all on uh keys synth bass drums and i wrote all the parts and um yeah i'm going in to kind of mix that maybe add some overdubs and it's just got it's a little more of a i don't know bowie-ish uh soul kind of angle you know i wanted to kind of veer away from the finger picky singer songwriter thing not that i don't dig it but it just every time i'd pick up my guitar i'd feel like i was putting on an old outfit that didn't fit me and so i ended up just scrapping it and going well what can i do uh what can i work with that's different and i found keys to be incredibly liberating vocally i feel like it just opened up a different way of singing that just comes more naturally to my haggard dad self now I love that. So, yeah. That that's a great tease. 
but yeah, that's that's it, man. Cool. Man, and I'm like really auditioning for stuff, and uh, you know, I got the pool set up in the backyard, just being dad, you know, ready for summer. Oh yeah. So when when did the pool get set up? A couple weeks ago. Okay, it's a couple weeks like, ago. Stand up, stand up ones you put in the yard. Yep. And I didn't realize it was on a slight incline, which has progressively gotten a little more extreme <laughs> as the days have gone by. And I'm like, man, I hope it doesn't collapse with my kids in it. But you know, you live and learn. I'm gonna put it in a different spot next time. <laughs> it's great though. I'm like, my spot's surrounded by pine trees, and you can, you know, we have an inflatable pizza slice, and I lay on that thing. You hear the birds, super peaceful, and it's it's great, man. Oh my god, that was perfect! <laughs> awesome. Come up for any time. Come oh, my dude, Hot Lana! Oh my god, M- music Midtown's back. Come on. Yep. Yep. And shaky knees last week, week before. Yeah. Yeah, they've got they've got some good good stuff popping off. Nice. Um, my only my only qualm with it is masquerade which was such a great venue and they tore it down to build these like shitty purpose-built like poncy apartments and it was like this rickety old building anyone who's listening has been there knows what i'm talking about but you like walk up these wooden stairs to get to the top venue it's it's just got this like haunted house kind of energy to it but yeah it doesn't exist anymore and the new one's in downtown and it just feels like a I've got tickets to an event type show. <laughs> you know, like grungy ass masquerade of your. Yeah. So, uh, that's my only qualm there. But yeah, the scene, the scene's great there. There's a lot going on. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm happy to be in Atlanta. I'm glad we took this trip. I, th- I hope you had fun. Definitely, man. Yeah, good to talk to you again as well. Hopefully we get to do it in the flesh sometime. Yeah, man, I really appreciate connecting and you being down to chat and what you're up to and how you're into a lot of this music. It just, it's, I don't know. It's been, it's kind of something I've thought about. I'm like, it's just the people that I've been able to meet through this and what you're doing and your your creative process. It's, it's fucking great, man. I'm really psyched for you. Well, thanks so much, man. Yeah.